Welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. My name is Gwen Reyes. And I'm Danielle Dresser. This is a podcast where we talk about what we're reading, watching, and listening to. We also dig into industry news and stories that you might have missed. Today, Danielle and I are chatting about siblings in pop culture, inspired by our own wonderful author, Talia Hibbert, and her contemporary romance series, The Brown Sisters. You'll hear her interview later in the episode. We're also giving updates on our goals and talking about what has been bringing us joy lately. Yay! All right, Danielle, let's get started. So how has your life been recently? Did you get to do, how are you feeling? How's your vibe? <laughs> it's good. It's good. When we're recording this, it is spring break for my mm-hmm. daughter. So it's both like, what do I do with her? But also she's at that nice age where she can just kind of go do stuff by herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like kind of balancing that. And then, cause then there are days where she's like, I want to do whatever you're doing. And then there are other days <laughs> where she's like, don't look at me. And I was like, fine. So that's what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, She's six going on 16, I like to say. But yeah, I mean, other than that, it's good. It's springtime. Like it actually feels like springtime and that's been really nice. So so yeah, I think think my vibe is a good one right now. That's good. (laughs) How about you? You know, I feel the same. I'm feeling like now that it's the, we're we're recording this on April Fool's Day, April 1st. Um, Neither of us have played any pranks on each other. I'm not into pranks, so- Good. (laughs) I'm like, not here for that. No, no, no. And the announcement has to wait until the 2nd of April, I imagine. Yeah, it's it's just like nice and the sun is out. Um, I'm more interested in going outside, which which has been really, really fun, which is also cutting into my like entertainment time because I'm wanting to spend less time in front of my TV or my computer or a book and uh, just outside like walking around for, you know, five minutes. I'm not I'm not an outdoorsy person for too long. Same, same. I like to, I always say I like, it does, like, does dining and drinking al fresco count as being outdoorsy? Yeah, exactly. That is the type of outdoorsy person I am. Um. <laughs> I want to sit on a patio and consume some beverages. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well, good. I'm glad things are going well. So let's do, I like this, this one, like, what is one good thing you've achieved this week, which mm-hmm. I did not think about in advance. And I'm trying to think of what did I do? Oh, I know what I did. I sent my second book to my agent. <gasps> I, I've been taking a really long time revising it and going through it. I mean, and this is honestly like way far out. Like we haven't, we don't even, we haven't even sent the proposal. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, you know, my publisher bought two books, Berkeley, I should say, bought two books. And so book one, they were like, yes, this is the one that we're going with. But book two, you know, there's always that chance that they're going to get the proposal and they're going to be like, no, yeah, you need to come up with something else. (laughs) But my second book is done. My agent has had read my synopsis and she really liked it and had some great feedback. So I like worked on it, but I, I like made myself take my time but then this week it got to the point where like, I'm just going to keep fiddling with things that I don't need to. Let me just send it. And yeah, so it feels good. It's done. Now I get to like focus on whatever is coming next, <laughs> which is <laughs> wild, but it's fine. Yeah. So that is what I achieved. This week, I think that feels good. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big accomplishment. That is awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. What have you um, done? So this week I um, am, I'll talk about it a little bit later in the show, but I am preparing for a big life change right now. Um, And so this week I sold my car, 
which was wow. a big accomplishment. It was something I did all by myself and I uh, negotiated the price and everything. So I felt very like uh, empowered and that felt me, made me feel really good because now awesome. I have one less burden to be worried about. Yeah. That, I mean, you said the word negotiate and I was like, like hives almost broke yeah. out. Well, it was more like he gave me yeah. an offer and I said, oh yeah, that's, and it was more than I had expected <laughs> to get. And so I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that's great. I'll take it. So I shark awesome. tank negotiated. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. So let's move into our main discussion, mm-hmm. which was directly inspired by Talia Hibbert wrote a really great series, the Brown Sisters series published by Avon. And it features three Black British sisters and each of their love stories get told. The last book came out in late March. So they're all out there. You can read all three of them. They're funny. They're quirky. They get into interesting situations and of course fall in love. Mm-hmm. So we thought we could spin this and talk about pop culture siblings and even our own sibling relationships. I'll tell you a little bit about my older brother. He is eight years older than me. Um, I did ask his permission if I could say his name on the podcast and I'm just going to say it. It's Daniel. It's easy to find. If you know Fresh Fiction, you've heard the name Daniel before. So yeah, my older brother, Daniel, he's eight years older than me. We never really went to school together, but we did at one point, I think when I was in kindergarten and he was in middle school, our schools shared the same campus. Mm -hmm. So one thing I used to do as a little kid is that when we go out for recess, I would like wave at my older brother (laughs) even though like obviously it was just a building but but because of that like because we were so much uh there's such a big gap between us and then also my dad worked out of he was in the military when my brother was a kid and then when I was born he worked um he traveled for work so he wasn't around as much um my brother had to kind of step up and take in that that sort of like parent role um so because of that we were not really close until I was in college because I thought he was a little bit of a narc He's always trying to get me in trouble. He wasn't acting like a brother. All the other brothers I saw, you know, because he cared. So that was cool. But um, be, but then we built a good relationship. And then once I moved back to Dallas after school, like we became really close. And now he's like one of my closest friends. And yeah, I, I adore him. And we would, it's cool because I think like, my, my, all of my family members have some sort of like influence in the pop culture that I've consumed. But I think my brother's like, he was always so willing to share things with me and in a way like I was, I'm a horrible sharer, but he is a very good sharer. He would share his love of Star Wars or Star Trek. And I was just the bratty kid that didn't really appreciate it. But then like, because I was exposed to all this really interesting art because of Daniel, I was advanced and able to have conversations with adults and with different people. But also like I was able to see sort of a world that I wanted to see because I saw more diverse people or I saw more um, deeper stories because Daniel was older and we could watch more mature stuff. Mm -hmm. We never shared books because like he uh, really just loved sci-fi, fantasy. (laughs) Yeah, Not really my jam. I liked books with kissing and angsty teens and vampires and troubled people who couldn't get their Mm -hmm. lives together. He's cool. I love my brother and he is a good dude. Yeah. Yes, I know your brother. He's he's a very good dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah. So I have a younger brother and he is three and a half years younger than me, but because Illinois' weird school cutoff date is mm-hmm. in September, we are actually four years apart in school. That's so wild. 
the only time we were in school at the same time was when he was in kindergarten and I was in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. In fact, that was still when like kindergartens had half day school. Yeah. Literally there was like a two and a half hour window where we were actually at school at the same time. And I saw this kid all the time. <laughs> and he was always like, hi, hi, hi. You know, like and you're like back off. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I think because we don't have quite a bit as big of an age gap as you and your brother, but because there was, you know, really four years between us, we would ebb and flow mm-hmm. with how close we were. And I, but I would say around like 11 or 12, I wanted nothing to do with my brother. <laughs> like was not interested, did not care. And I, to be fair, I don't think he really cared either because, and then we both had our things. Like we were very opposite. Yeah. He, he played every sport and I'm, you know, every sport I did like soccer, you know, and that was it. And then I started getting more into like artsy stuff and an art club and all of that kind of stuff and reading, obviously. But that really was reading, mentioning reading was really where we did bond about stuff. So mm-hmm. Harry Potter, when the Harry Potter books came out, it was like the right time because I was, even though I think I was like either an eighth grade or a freshman in high school, when those came out here and my brother was the end of elementary school, beginning of middle school, but we both were really interested in those books. And so that is what, you know, it was like, please get out of my room, but did you finish book five? Because I really need to talk to you (laughs) because why was Harry so angry? You know, like, and and that was really like what there was that. And then the Lord of the Rings movies also, I think had a broad enough appeal for the two of us to enjoy them. And I think, cause I, I'm pretty sure he went, we went to like the midnight show of the last one together, I think. Oh, cool. And, and, and it was like something special that we did. I know for a fact, I will say this for getting the seventh Harry Potter book, we both, we went and at midnight to borders, uh-huh. RIP borders, <laughs> um, more like a decade later. Um <laughs> But yeah, and you know, we went together and like stood in line and we're really big dorks about it. But, and I think it's interesting that we both don't have sisters because I don't know about you, but I like was desperate for a sister. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, and it's like, and I think maybe it's because like my mom had had sisters, my dad had a sister, like everyone in my family, even my cousins, like most of my cousins now that I think about it have sisters. And so I didn't have that. And then on TV, you just see that you're like, oh, yeah so special and I just had a brother no and he's pretty, I mean now that we're older like we are quite close and but it's funny because now we bond over the fact that we both have kids and yeah. if there's a BuzzFeed list about nostalgia in the 90s I don't even have to look at it because I know my brother will send it to me at some point <laughs> like within it going like and within it making the rounds I live outside of Chicago and that is where we grew up and everything. But my brother lives in California. That is where his wife is from. And that's where they've decided to start their family, especially obviously during the pandemic. But even before we, you know, we'd only see them like a couple of times a year. So it does make it a little, a little more special when you do see them in person. I think after talking to you about this, like, I think we both have pretty good relationships with our siblings, which is which is really great. And it's nice too, because to have it for like, as long too, you know, mm-hmm. like for a few, de- at least, at least a decade, like, you know, yeah. Daniel and I also did the Harry Potter mm-hmm. seventh book at borders as well, mm-hmm. which was so much fun. Um, yeah, he was, such a- 
He's so patient. He's got my poor brother. He's outnumbered really. Cause he's got like my mom and me and we're both very strong personalities and he's just like goes with the flow guy. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So he has had to go to many a weird <laughs> dress up situations. <laughs> That's awesome. But did you ever want, would you have wanted an older sister or a younger sister? I don't know. That is a good question. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of me thinks older but then I would be the middle child and I don't want to be the middle child no younger so but maybe younger I don't know I have no idea yeah that's what I and this is one of those things too that like my husband and I grapple with whenever we like lose our minds and talk about having another kid uh-huh. um and we're always like you know and we always think that we're, I like I always get kind of emotional because I was like oh she Ivy Ivy doesn't have a sibling does she need a sibling? And then I think of like everything I had to go through to get her here. And I was like, no, she's fine. She'll be great. Yeah. (laughs) She's okay. (laughs) She's fine. She'll entertain herself. (laughs) Yeah. She'll figure it out. (laughs) She's got cousins. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. I think sibling and relationships are just so important because they're the people who I think really, they know you differently than your parents know you. Yeah. Like thinking about my brother, even though he was super annoying and he still is to be fair. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, I I was, I was raving about my brother, but he is quite annoying. He is a bit of a, he's still a narc. (laughs) Oh, I should tell, I should tell you the story. So when I wrote my first book and, you know, and it got accepted and everything, and I actually got like some feedback from my agent, I was like, okay, maybe I can send my family at least this initial draft thing. Things are going to change. Also, please don't tell me about typos. I know they're there. (laughs) That was more for my mom than anyone. Right. <laughs> like, You're like, I know which ones are going to yeah, pick on what. I know they're there. I'm going to fix as many as I can. Also, there are copy editors and proofreaders for a reason who do this professionally. Yeah. Like my mom reads romance. My dad and my brother especially are used to the fact that we both read romance very widely. So in this like email that I sent out, I'm sending you two versions of this manuscript. One that has the sex scenes blacked out. And one that doesn't, I was like, read whichever one makes you more comfortable. I don't mind. There are sex, there is sex in my books. That's, that's part yeah. of the romance genre. Mm-hmm. Sex is an important part of a relationship. It should be explored and it should be a part of this. It's a part of the story. Absolutely. And, Preach. Yes. And if anyone sends me anything untoward, even in jest, I will write you out of the acknowledgements. <laughs> <laughs> and I sent the email and within like 15 minutes, my brother calls me and he's like, I know you put that because of me. And I was like, yes, and it's true. And you know that I am petty enough that Mm -hmm. I will specifically not put you in the acknowledgements, but will rant and rave, or not rant, just rave about how amazing my sister-in-law is. Yeah, you will. Um, And how much you love your niece and nephew. Yeah, yeah, my two two nephews. Nephews, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. But yeah, that's what I said. I was like, you know that I will make a big deal out of it just to mess with you. So even... As a 36-year-old woman, I'm <laughs> finding new ways to torment my brother. It never ends. <laughs> it never, never ends. ends. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> so let's talk about siblings in pop culture. And yeah. I'm obsessed with what you decided to do for this topic because it I didn't even think about this and I'm like mad that I didn't. <laughs> so yeah, when Dan- when Danielle suggested this, my brain, because I am so obsessed with celebrity culture and gossip and pop culture in general, it's like I went with famous siblings, siblings that work together, 
bands, that sort of vibe. My first ones, I went with the Hunky. I feel like we should go with the Hemsworth brothers. Liam, Chris is uh, the one that everybody knows. And then there's that one that people forget, who's I'm also forgetting right now, who's on Westworld. (laughs) I'm going to Google it right now. (laughs) And it's so funny too, because he's the older brother and he had the start. He started working because I think he was on EastEnders or whatever their Australian version of that is. And he did that for years. And then Chris, of course, became yeah. Thor. His name, is, his name is Luke. Luke. Luke yes. Hemsworth. Okay. Luke Hemsworth. Got it. And I don't really think that he looks like the rest of them. No, he doesn't. No, no. no he's a little, but he's on, um, he's on Westworld. He's got a lot, of, a lot yeah. more chat than Liam and Chris did. Um, and then I, my, if I have to pick a favorite, which I always am constantly pitting people against each other, also petty, I will go with Liam Hemsworth, who played oh. Gabe in the Hunger Games. Yeah. I think he is very hunky. And also I like a brunette <laughs> and he fills yeah. up. But then on the, speaking of Liam Hemsworth, he was at one point married to Miley Cyrus, yeah. who her sister, Noah Cyrus, they're both pretty accomplished musicians. I know most people know Miley, but Noah is like a little indie darling. And I have sure. been really into her music the last year. Mm-hmm. She kind of, she's like a child, like I don't even think she's 20 yet. She's a, a, a <laughs> tiny child. She So of course she was like doing a lot of weird Snapchat stuff early on in her career, but yeah. she's really kind of finding herself. She's got some really great songs. Um, she had a, one song last year called Judy that she did with Leon Bridges that I was like really Ooh. into for a few months. Um, yeah. I really, really love it. Cause you can't avoid, even though, mon- even though colonialism sucks and the monarchy is racist, we yeah. cannot avoid the drama that is William and Harry um, Spencer, <laughs> yeah. Win- whatever their last names Windsor, are. Mont- Windsor, Batten. Windsor. Yeah. yeah. Montbatten, Windsor. <laughs> yeah. And I, cause I, I picked them also because I, I have grown, they're the same age as me. Like Harry mm-hmm. and I are one year apart. Exactly. His birthday, yeah. September 15th, William is like a year older than me. So I have seen them like, you know, being a millennial, we've seen them yeah. grow up Definitely. and it has been incredibly heartbreaking to see William be such a little craphead. But I have been very impressed with Harry, who has, I feel like, done the right thing and is speaking out against his um, family's crappiness. So I agree. And went out and got a job. Went out and got a job. He got (laughs) multiple jobs. (laughs) Right. And then they keep making fun of him for getting jobs. They're like, oh, no one wants to invite you over for Christmas. It's like, okay, I'm working. I'm working out with the Obamas. No problem. um Oprah's calling whatever so yeah I just I've but I've always been a big royalist in the sense of I am not a big royalist I think actually Alyssa who we interviewed and you guys will get to hear that a little bit later um in in a future episode but I think that she really hit on the head where she's like I'm not a royalist I'm not a fan of the of the royals but I like William and I like um, Harry and Meghan. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of what's shifted in my head is I was never into, like I enjoy the crown in the sense of like watching it from a distance and for history's perspective, but I've always loved Diana and -hmm. I always loved the boys. And and like getting to be a fan of like Diana and Harry is is fun. I think so too. And I think for us though, just this is like a digression, Mm -hmm. but I think I was thinking about this the other day because I didn't watch the full interview because it was just I was like I don't know if I want to I don't know and but I also knew it was gonna there it was gonna be like picked apart in yeah. the, by the media for who knows how long but I think spe- specifically to Diana and then but then subsequently William and Harry I think Diana was probably the first 
celebrity mm-hmm. really that I think we were kind of, it was just like her face was everywhere. Everywhere. And when she died and it was as a result of this paparazzi culture, it was for me, at least it was like a moment where I was like, oh, this is really invasive. Yes. Same. And yes. I mean, not that it stops me from looking no. at them, mm-hmm. but it also was like, oh, wait, you, we need to really think about what this means yeah. and why we're all so obsessed with this idea of celebrity. And I think that was like kind of a pivotal moment. Cause like, I remember like almost to the minute, like where I was when it was announced that she had died in this car or as a result of this car crash. And it was just, it was heartbreaking. It's not that I'm like sitting here and I'm obsessed with the Royals, but it's like, you can't not hear about them. Yeah. It's uh, they're unavoidable. Yeah. And it's not even just a tabloid thing anymore. It's like the mainstream news, like, you know, you turn on the news and they're being talked about even Mm -hmm. now months after everything, you know, what it's been about a month since that interview went up almost when we're recording we're recording this the last or April 1st April Fool's Day which we already said <laughs> um but yeah so yeah that's what I think about that a lot sorry yeah. I took it for your no I it's it's interesting I'm the same exact way like that is very much a pinnacle moment of when I remember Diana being a, like I love tabloids I love celebrity culture I've been reading like those magazines forever. And then when she died and I remember watching the Rosie O'Donnell show and that was a big thing that she pushed. She was like, you have to stop wanting to buy these tabloids. And so for a year I was like in honor of, um, which was very hard for me at age 13 for a year. I was like, I will not read any celebrity gossip or buy a tabloid or even look at it at the grocery store. And so coming back to it was like a little bit of a slow thing, but it's always Mm -hmm. been very, I've always been very aware of that because because of Diana and then now to see it sort of reflected and this has nothing to do with siblings but then to see it reflected back on the way that women in the early aughts were treated mm-hmm. like Britney, Whitney, uh, Beyonce even it's it's and now that they're getting their sort of comeuppance for that it's it's interesting. But I think it kind of does relate to siblings because think about how we literally had to google the third Hemsworth brother, his name. And it's like, so why are the other two? I mean, obviously they just have different career paths. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I bet if you go to Australia, I bet Luke Hemsworth is just as famous as the other. Oh, 100%. Yeah, for sure. But just not here or whatever, you know? So I think, and, and even, I mean, how much of this rivalry between William and Harry is true and how much of it is exacerbated because of the way that the media portrays it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we won't know because I mean, really, if you think about it, speaking of like things being invasive, like we don't need to know. Yeah, we don't need to know. They're never going to do. Yeah, we're never really going to. I kind of I realized that yesterday I was after um, the Free Britney documentary that came out, not Free Britney. What was it? Um, Framing Britney Spears. Yeah. Um, when that came out, people were then like clamoring to have Britney finally speak in her own yeah. words. And now she's like, i I don't want to ever do another interview because nobody treats me right. Nobody. And she's not saying that, but she's just Mm -hmm. like, I'm never going to do another interview. And it's like, she doesn't owe us that as much as we want it. It's like, she does not owe that to us. Yeah. But otherwise I also, um, for, to finish it off for siblings, Mm -hmm. they are also uh, the Jonas Hanson brothers. I know that they're a little bit throwback, but I do, do love those Hansons. <laughs> That's awesome. I remember like a few years ago, they had like a single or something and they were on Good Morning America. And like, do they still 
like they're still not only are they still a yeah like they're still a touring band they still make they still make new albums they were doing documentaries they have a lot of children I think that they're probably vaguely racist so it's probably not great that we've been talking this much about them but (laughs) you know they are still but I think it's I do think aside from all that I do think it's really neat that they have been able one to keep their relationship as a family Mm -hmm. intact um and still make music together because that was like one thing that we've seen with the Jonas Brothers where they've gone back and forth Mm -hmm. because they you know have worked together for so long but then at the end of the day they're still stuck with each other yep (laughs) uh yeah you can't get rid of them well I mean you could but it wouldn't be very familial Yeah, people would be like, where's your brother? And they're like, stop talking about my brother. Yeah, exactly. When I approached this topic, I, of course, went first to books. Mm-hmm. And then I thought a little bit about TV. I really didn't do movies because it's so overwhelming, actually. Yeah. I mean, every movie, there's like a brother or, you know, or even like a cousin, like a family member or something, you know. So I went to books because I think there's something interesting happening in romance right now with siblings. So like if you go back, I mean, obviously there's the Brown sisters and you still do. You definitely see siblings. Nor a lot of Nora Roberts, like a lot of those trilogies mm-hmm. from kind of the mid nineties and early aughts, the late nineties, maybe like, yeah, late nineties, early aughts. You see a lot of like, there are three brothers and that's like the announced trilogy. And then there's a sister, Nora Roberts. She has her Chesapeake Bay series. Yep. And even the Born In series, which is one of my, like I talked about it being a comfort read. In that series, there are two sisters who know about each other. And then the third book is like this half sister that they did not know existed until oh, they were wow. adults. Yeah. So it's very dramatic. Yeah. Um, high stakes. I think people are taking the idea of like what it means to be a sibling or a family and twisting it. So I was thinking too about Alexis Daria's new series that started with you had me at Ola and she is there. There are three cousins and they're like best friends, but then they're also cousins. And it's, it's so funny. Like in the scenes with the families in that book and you had me at Ola are just so much fun. They call each other the primas of power. Mm. They're, they're always like checking in on each other. It's really great. So one funny thing I thought about with his, in regard to historical romance is sometimes you see these big sweeping like family sagas that last yeah. generations, you know, they're like the people who started out in the series and their kids have their books told or stories told. And so like, I thought of obviously Julia Quinn and we know with Bridgerton, there are yeah. eight of them. Grace Burroughs, her Wyndham series that has like, I think it also has eight siblings. Lisa Claypass has a whole bunch of sibling kind of set series. And what was so funny, what's so funny to me about this, specifically in like Regency romance, is that these big, huge families didn't really exist (laughs) as childhood mortality was so high. So there may have been eight siblings, but not all eight of them made it to adulthood. So that's just me being like weirded out and thinking of like all the, like those random historical facts that I picked out. Yep. But that, that being said, I love them. Are there problematic things and specifically all three of those authors books that I just said? Yes. Do I still love them? Yes. <laughs> and they're great. And it is fun. I, Grace Burroughs in particular, like there are characters from her when she has a series set in the Regency and then she has a Victorian series. And like, they are like, I think they're like the great aunt and uncle in this Victorian series, like from book Ooh. one, like it's really, yeah, it's a lot yeah. of, it's a lot of fun. I love when authors 
really create these worlds, literally a world. Something interesting is happening in contemporary, contemporaries. And I did want to talk about a little bit about the idea of a found family. I think that mm, is yes. kind of the new, not new thing because it happens, but one of the mo- more recent books that came out is called The Boyfriend Project by Farah Roshan. And they are a group of women in the first, like the first scene, this is not spoiling it, but they three women figure out they're all dating the same guy and he's been lying to them Mm -hmm. about seeing other people take stories that another woman had told him passes it off as his own. Like, you know, there's a lot going on. This guy was like trash from the start. (laughs) You know, if this book had come out in like the early two thousands, they're one of those women would have been the good one. And the other two would have been the villains in this book. They become friends. They get rid of him and they become new best friends. And so I know. And so each one of those women is going to get a book, which I think is really fun. And then in a series by Melanie Johnson, future podcast guest in her sometimes in love series, it was her debut series. And these are about lifelong friends. They've known each other for years and it's about each of them on their journey and they pop up in each other's books. And it's really fun that way. And then Another book or series that I really loved was Annabeth Albert's Gamers series and it's hashtag gamers and gamers spelled G-A-Y-M-E-R-S. It's a queer, it's, they're all queer romances and they all bond over gaming. I have no, I don't gay. I'm not a gay. I don't know what any of these words mean, but I still loved it. And it was really, really wonderful to see like people come together over this common shared interest. And then, but then it become this, you know, a new family. And then quickly, let's just touch on a little bit of TV. There were three that I thought of right off, like off the top of my head. The first was Schitt's Creek. I think Alexis and David have such a special relationship. I love their relationship. I know. And so I, we recently did a rewatch of it. And I was like, even in the first season, when they're still figuring out what they're doing, they still care about each other. Yes. And they, you know, they're not as outward about it, but, and then by the time you get to like the the last season, it's not like they're hugging (laughs) or anything (laughs) like that, but they are supporting one another and they're always there to kind of check in with one another. And, you know, they live in the same hotel room for however many years and, and it's still like, well, maybe you shouldn't do that. Or maybe you should go figure out who, if you want to be with this person. And I think that's really special. Oh, and then I want to talk about Blackish, mainly because the kids on that show, you get to watch them grow up. Yes. Literally. And I think they all are such interesting, you know, interesting people and just in even in real life, like they've all done such fun things. They're in such specific age groups. And even as they grow up, it like the amount of time between each sibling, really, except for the twins, obviously, but they yeah, I thought that's really fun. And then finally, this I wanted to mention this is us, which is the most emotionally manipulative show on television, <laughs> which I'm kind, I'm like kind of taking a break from this is us <laughs> as you should. I support this. (laughs) But I just remember watching that first episode and realizing how the whole show was connected and that these three siblings are the babies in the one timeline. And then, you know, and then they're also the adults. And I just remember being like, wait, what? You know, (laughs) I like did not feel, I like totally, I like it went over my head until like the very end of that first episode. So yeah, I think in all three of those shows, there is such an interesting dynamic, I think between all of the siblings and really watching over the years. Cause I mean, all of these shows were on or are still on, but they it's been multiple seasons and all mm-hmm. of the characters develop and change and that changes their relationships. And I think it makes for good TV. It does. And those are all such really great examples of like 
really well dug into characters mm-hmm. too like that they've yeah. really they've all spent time sort of addressing their relationships as siblings and how they can relate back to their parents and and relate yeah. to other worlds like I've I always loved David just going back to David and Alexis mm-hmm. like I've always loved them because I saw so much of my brother and me in that relationship of like of like David always wanting to protect Alexis and like staying around the parents because somebody had to so Alexis yeah. could go off and, and do her own thing mm-hmm. and I felt I always felt like oh my god that's Daniel and me very much Aww. um and like I love the team I love the kids on Blackish and like Jack and Diane are my favorites right now. (laughs) My gosh, they're so great. I want to like, I still want, I think, I think it's all the time. I want to be Diane. I know. And she's just getting cooler. (laughs) Like this last, there was a recent episode where she was teaching Rainbow about um, investing. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, oh, this girl. (laughs) She's she's the best. I love Blackish. I'll be so sad when that show is, when that show finally ends. I know. Ugh. Well, good. That was all really great recommendations. So um, tell us about what your relationships are like with your siblings. We'd love to hear it. Or if you don't have siblings and wish you did, tell us if you would want a girl sibling or a boy sibling or a, you know, a they sibling, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. We'd love to hear it. We'll be right back with our interview with Talia Hibbert. Our guest today is author Talia Hibbert. Talia is a Black British author who lives in a bedroom full of books. Supposedly, there is a world beyond that room, but she has yet to drum up enough interest to investigate. (laughs) She writes sexy, diverse romance because she believes that people of marginalized identities need honest and positive representation. Her interests include beauty, junk food, and unnecessary sarcasm. Three of my favorite things, too. (laughs) Welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast, Talia. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. The the Brown Sisters series has quickly become a favorite among contemporary romance fans, and your latest one was just released recently, so congratulations. Can you give us a quick rundown so readers who are new to your books know what to expect? Okay, so... The Brown Sisters series is a trilogy of romantic comedies following three sisters um, and it starts with Get a Life Chloe Brown which is about a kind of antisocial homebody who decides that she needs to get a life and she joins forces with her building superintendent who she doesn't really get along with at first. <laughs> um, book two, Take a Hint, Danny Brown is about a fake relationship between a PhD student and a security guard Um, and book three that just came out actually age Eve Brown is about a kind of chaotic hot mess who ends up (laughs) running a bed and breakfast with her polar opposite slash mortal enemy (laughs) love it (laughs) yeah I I personally just have absolutely adored well I'm gonna like fangirl for a minute because I've read every single one of your books but these three books really each one I read I was like oh I'm like this sister no I'm like that sister wait (laughs) I'm like that one too I'm like all of them (laughs) at least when I'm reading them that's what I feel like these books have just brought me personally but I also know a ton of people who also they've brought they've just brought so much joy to to readers everywhere and so in act your age eve brown it has one of my favorite romance tropes i've talked about it at length on this very podcast and with anyone i talk to um and it's grumpy sunshine (laughs) Um, and i feel like there's a little bit of that aspect in a lot of the couples that you've written about there's usually you know just somebody who it's like an optimist pessimist kind of a thing i was wondering what do you love about this setup 
And can you just, you know, dive into the dynamics of Eve and Jacob and how they fit into this, this trope, really? So now you mention it, I do see what you mean about there being a bit of that trope in all three of the books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think I kind of gravitate towards it because that dynamic allows each character to kind of learn from each other a little bit, um, but it also gives them differences that they then, you know, each respect about each other. And I like both of those elements, like a relationship being collaborative, but also being about the differences being okay and good. But it's definitely the most pronounced between even Jacob because, you know, she <laughs> is just very chaotic, but also very upbeat and positive. And those two sides of her go together so well because she finds herself, in her opinion, failing a lot and it's really upsetting to her, but then she always bounces back because she is so permanently positive. Whereas Jacob is pessimistic and that maybe is why he's such an overachiever and why he's so rigid about things because he mm -hmm. worries so much that he needs to know that it's going to be perfect. So they they do both have like lessons that they can teach each other, but also that fundamental difference means that they really sparked off each other from the very beginning because I wanted it to be kind of enemies to lovers yeah. <laughs> well and, this, and speaking of um of jacob representation is such an important part of your books you've written characters with different racial backgrounds disabilities sexual orientations and neurodiversity jacob knows he's on the autism spectrum and he helps eve figure that out for herself too that she's also autistic can you talk a little bit about why this is important to you and how you developed this part of their storylines i knew that i wanted to write an autistic romance because i'm autistic and i really enjoy writing autistic characters and one cool thing about being autistic that I don't see in media so much is that not just autistic people but neurodiverse people in general tend to gravitate towards each other and make these communities where you don't have to think about being different because everyone around you is the same and is having mm -hmm. like the same feeling in that regard um mm -hmm. so I wanted both characters to be autistic but at the same time you know all autistic people are different and do have right. different experiences mm -hmm. so it was also a great opportunity to show that um in for example Jacob having grown up knowing that he was on the spectrum whereas Eve kind of has to figure that out for herself or with some help later in life, which was also something where I wanted to show that there is a disparity in diagnosis depending on your gender and your race because of stereotypes. It was just a lot of things that I was excited to have the opportunity to write about or worked out, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think it really did. I loved how, I don't, I don't want to say that Eve was reluctant to like, not admit to it, but like reluctant to get to that point, but it mm -hmm. does take her a while to really fully understand kind of what Jacob is telling her. And then that felt really real to me. I, I really liked how that kind of all came together like that. I also really adored the fact that we get a glimpse of all of the Brown sisters and their romantic partners in this book. I That's just a personal thing too. That's a favorite of mine is when you do get to check in with people and mm -hmm. you know from earlier and from different books and stuff like that or yeah. when, when someone just it's like a glimpse of them and you're just like oh wait that there's a whole new crop of side characters that show up in this book when Eve goes to the Lake District and I was wondering who are some of your favorite side characters from the Brown Sisters series? Oh that's hard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really loved like my favorite side character to write through all of the books was their grandmother Gigi yeah um because she was just so much fun and she made me really happy and she reminded me of my own grandparents 
Um, and then also in Eve's book, you know, introducing those side characters whose stories I want to go on to write. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed writing Tessa um, because again, she's just so fun. I think I enjoy writing characters who are maybe a bit more outgoing than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At your age, Eve Brown is the final book in the Brown series, uh, the Brown sister series, excuse me. Will you share what you're writing, what writing this series has meant to you? Writing this series was kind of an experiment on a few levels because I had never written a romantic comedy series before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd written like kind of funny romances, but- you're right. kind of by accident I never set out to be like oh I really want this book to be funny Mm -hmm. which was very daunting because obviously when you're trying to be funny that's usually in my experience when it doesn't work out so well (laughs) Mm -hmm. that is so true (laughs) (laughs) so even though you know I wasn't new to writing romance it really felt like learning things all over again learning like different structures and rhythms and character archetypes and how to use tropes differently Mm -hmm. and being able to do that has made it such a fun kind of fresh experience for me and also made me feel more confident because I feel like as long as I have these characters that I love and I'm really passionate about telling their story I feel like I can tell that story however it needs to be told mm-hmm. um, so I feel like this series is something that I can hold up and be like yeah woo I did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love it what's been the hardest part about ending a series I actually, I don't know. I quite like ending series. <laughs> nice. It's like final, right? <laughs> yeah. I like tying things up nicely um, so that, you know, everyone's happy. Like I like to leave everyone in a really nice place and be like, oh, I love that for them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because like, I'm not, I think because I have grown up reading romance and it's all I read and in romance series tend to be like a couple per book rather than other genre series where the same main character or characters gets several books. Um, So I am just naturally happy to like tie things up in a little bow and be like, okay, that's done. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also kind of a lifelong romance reader. Who are some of like your go-to authors who you like to read? Oh my God, so many. Um, I know. Okay, so I love to read Nalini Singh. I'm actually mm-hmm. in my feelings at the minute because I've seen some people with like an early copy of the new Side Changeling book. Yeah. And I'm like, how do I get one of those? <laughs> Is there a way? <laughs> Where are you getting these from? <laughs> um, love her. I really love Beverly Jenkins and Vanessa Riley. Like mm. I kind of have a thing for historical romance, even though I don't write it. And they're two authors who I can always crack open one of their books and be like, yeah. <laughs> um, also KJ Charles, actually. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. And I love how she has like mysteries a lot of the time in her books mm-hmm. as well, because I'm mm-hmm. not very smart. So it's like, <laughs> wow, to my brain. <laughs> You never see it coming. I always (laughs) ask when I, when I get the opportunity to talk to even just straightforward mystery authors or, but especially romantic suspense, I'm always like, how do you balance the mystery with the romance? Mm -hmm. And it all makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) It's unbelievable. It is in itself a mystery. It really is. And I just realized they didn't even say any contemporary authors. I do read contemporary romance as well. (laughs) Um, I really like JC Lee, Kennedy Ryan, Danielle Allen, uh, Therese Behari, just a lot 
a lot of people. <laughs> Some good recommendations there for sure. Switching gears a bit, Gwen and I talk about self-care and finding things that bring us comfort and joy. So anything from a book you may have read or a skincare routine or a new candle you got, anything like that. What's something <laughs> over the last few weeks that have made, that's made you happy? I actually, um, I, this is kind of a long story, but I signed up for TikTok because I'm writing a young adult romance. And cool. I, was talking, I was talking to my cousin, who's a lot younger than me, and she's like, all oh, the cool kids are on TikTok. So I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I went on to TikTok and um, I really like makeup. And I noticed that like all the kids are doing their makeup way mm -hmm. differently so I was like okay they're all putting like tons of blusher on and I was like this is cute I want to be pink like what do I <laughs> how do I do this so I bought some blusher it's like screaming pink and I just put it all over my face and I really liked it <laughs> are you wearing it now because it looks yes. beautiful yeah it looks really nice so, what is what kind is it now I, I love blush. Yeah. like my favorite so I love blush blush is mine yeah it's like a liquid one from I want to say it's called Eloise Beauty, which is like, I think it's like an indie British brand. I don't awesome. know if it's available internationally, but it's really good. It smells really good. It smells like sweets. Oh, yum. <laughs> yeah, sold. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a face, like any sort of face product that smells really good that yeah. throughout the day, I'm still whiffing like a little coconut. I'm just like, oh, I'm at the Bahamas. <laughs> Here for it. <laughs> How's your TikTok adventure going? Are you are you adapting to it well? Or are you finding it a little challenging? Um, I haven't made any videos mm -hmm. and I, I simply do not believe I'm capable of making any videos and I'm not going to try, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really enjoying watching stuff. Like there's recipes on there. I made some cookies from TikTok. I made some roast potatoes. Oh, cool. <laughs> I like all the little dances they do. Yeah. I'm not going to do the dances either, but I like the dances. <laughs> That's so funny. I got sucked into sleepwalking videos. This woman who oh, records herself. Yeah, they're very funny. <laughs> Safely done. Safely done. But quite funny. <laughs> I did not know sleepwalking TikTok was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so and funny. Now I want to know more. <laughs> I know, it's so funny. Um, well, Talia, where can, what can readers expect from you next? You just mentioned you've got, you're working on a YA. Um, so what, what else do you have in the uh, pipeline? So I've got the, the YA. Um, mm -hmm. It's going to be my first young adult romance, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. And I'm also writing a spinoff from the Brown Sister series, which is set in the place where Eve's book is set, Skybriar, mm -hmm. um, which is like a little village in the Lake District. And there's a family who owns the pub there, the Montrose family, and I'm writing a book per sibling, but they're each based on Jane Austen novels. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> we talked to um, Sonali Dave not too long ago. Yeah, yeah she's a delight. And <laughs> we had just the best kind of like, we just got into like why we love Austen so uh -huh. much. So this is definitely like in Gwen and I in our wheelhouse. Like we yes. are. <laughs> I'm already, I'm like salivating to ask like, which ones are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Most definitely. <laughs> so before we let you go, where can readers connect with you online? I have a website, taliahibbert.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter. And I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Talia Hibbert. I have a Facebook page, which no one really pays attention to, but I, I also have a Facebook reader group <laughs> called uh, Talia Hibbert's Hopeless Romantics. And a lot more stuff happens over there. I love it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was a delight. This, this was, was so, so fun. Good. Yeah. I really <laughs> had a lot of fun. Thank you guys. <laughs> This is now the time that we're going to talk about our goals because Danielle and I like to uh, keep each other accountable for the things that we like to do. Yeah. And also like goals are important, you guys. I was over two overachievers right here. Goals are the only way that keep us on track. I will go first. Let's just check in with our last goals from last yeah. week, our last episode. Mine was to practice doing a gratitude practice and writing more, being more aware of my gratitude. And I have been doing that. I've been still writing and keeping up with my... Um, morning pages journal. I took like a week off of it, but then I decided yeah. it was okay. Cause that's the greatest yeah. thing about learning about writing and, and the voices in your head is it's like, those are you and yeah. you don't have to like fight it. If it's not the right <laughs> time, it's not the right time. And for that, I'm grateful. Good. <laughs> what about you? Were you, how was your goal? Yeah. So my goal was to be more thoughtful on social media. And I think I did this. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I tried to comment more. I tried to like, not just like and retweet stuff. But then I also was just like, then I spend too much time on social media. Oh, uh -huh. So I have to figure out, I think, a balance, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is like the ever present word in my mind is balance. Figure out how to make this all work. I don't know. I think it, maybe it's a work in progress. Absolutely. But it's I good. Know. I mean, that's good. That's good. Progress. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> What is your goal for this week? This week, there's a lot of stuff going on in my life. Uh, when this airs, you'll uh, it'll be even more known. But my husband and I are moving from my home, our hometown of Dallas, Texas, to Seattle, Washington. Um, so I have been in the throes of spreadsheets and selling things, hence my car getting sold. Yeah. Um, but I am trying, my new goal is because I have three as of, well, right now on April 4th, I have three weeks to get all my stuff done. So uh, wow. my goal right now is to sell all of my big stuff, <laughs> which is like couches and mattresses and chairs and stuff. So yeah. that is my big goal. And just to try, and the reason I put that as my goal is because one thing that I tend to do is get incredibly overwhelmed by things and then just shut down Yeah, and I, there's no time for that. And so the only way I've been able to be mindful of that is to start making lists and to really kind of go into my OCD tendencies. So being aware of that, being okay with that and selling my big stuff. Lean into your type A-ness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what right. about you, Danielle? What's your new goal? All right. So my goal is to eat more vegetables. I love this so much. <laughs> it's hard. It is. It's really hard. So here's the thing. In the winter, we're, oh, okay, it's springtime. We're about to get to that point where like produce is much fresher. It doesn't have to travel as far to get here. It still travels. Yes. You know, it's a lot more fresh. It's a lot more bountiful. Mm -hmm. um, it's not frozen or, you know, in a steamer, steamable bag or anything like that. Over the winter, I feel like I don't eat as many vegetables because I prefer fresh 
vegetables. Yeah, that makes sense. And so over the winter, you know, and like frozen vegetables are great. Like they're, I mean, my fridges or my freezer is full of them. Yeah. And they're easy. You can just put them in the microwave or just heat them up on the stove, the whole thing. Mix them in something. Yep. Yeah. But I just feel like I don't like over the summer, I honestly make like a giant salad, you know, and mm-hmm. top that for like a few days yeah, and, then, and then do it again a few days later. And that's just, that's what I do. And it's, and it just, it just feels, I don't know. I think maybe it's a, it's a cold thing. I've, I'm, I've mentioned I'm in Illinois. It gets very cold here. Yeah. And, and so far North, it just takes so long. Yeah, to get there And I too. just, I don't like eating salad in winter. <laughs> It's a warm food, a warm weather food only. Yeah, I think so. Also, I'm just, I think picky or something. I don't know. Now that I know the vegetables are here and fruit, I have no problem with fruit. Mm -hmm. I will eat all the time. Apples, strawberries, any kind of berry I'm here for fruit, not a problem. It's specifically vegetables. So I'm going to try to eat more vegetables. And really this is just getting me into that mind frame of summer eating. That's my goal. (laughs) I think that that is a great goal. Um, I have a follow-up for you on your uh, temperature-wise food. Can you eat soup in the winter? You mean in the summer? I mean, summer and soup in the summer. Yeah. See, my husband and I have actually talked about this at length Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we both like soup in the summer and not like a gazpacho, like a hot Hot soup. soup. Yeah. But we always wonder if it's like a like a hydration thing because, you know, we're outside more and it's sunnier and you just, you know, like, I feel like I drink way more water in the summer than I do any other time. So we were like, is it like a hydration thing? And you know, it's like, we go to Panera or whatever, a little cafe and we're like, would it be weird if we got soup right now? (laughs) And I was like, well, it's on the menu. Like they make it. It's not like they stop making soup. So yeah, we're like those weirdos. It's 95 degrees outside and we're having soup. Yeah. Oh, I relate. I love soup. Soup's like a top five food for me but all year round. It's also kind of nice in the summer because it's, li- it's a light food. It's, yep. So, you and know, you overeat in the summer. It's different if you overeat in the summer than in the winter. So if you just have soup, you're like, you're fine. You're fine. Especially if it's not like a creamy soup, because a creamy yeah. soup in the summer is a bad plan. Exactly. That's a bad idea. Yep. Too much milk. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Eating more vegetables is so, so hard. And like, I'll buy salad, like I'll buy spinach. I hate raw spinach. I absolutely hate it, but I know it's good for me. So I eat it, but I hate it. And I let it know every time I cook something with it, that I don't like it. Yeah. And, um, I was like buying spinach because I was trying to get mm-hmm. Cliff and me to eat more spinach or eat more vegetables. And he's a lot pickier than I am. I'll eat pretty much anything. Yeah. Um, and like it would just go to waste because I didn't want to, I didn't want to prepare it. I get overwhelmed by like, what am I supposed to do with these vegetables? Like I know how to, I know how to take a bag of mixed veggies and throw it into a casserole. I don't necessarily like, (laughs) not going to sit here and make like fancy carrots and spit and squash and things, but eating more vegetables is hard. Now it's time for probably our favorite segment. I did. It's our favorite. Which is what's bringing us comfort or joy or making us happy. I am loving that the sun is out. Um, It's not super hot yet. Mm -hmm. It's still a little crisp in the morning, but it's like just cresting at like 75, 80 every day. We had like a cold, a little cold snap yesterday of 60, but like it's, it's nice going outside is not a chore. I still miss the mall. So I still want to go to like go. And that's the other thing too, with the sun coming out, like now I actually want to go more places too. Yeah. I'm just happy that spring is here. The sun is out. We made it through. That's bringing me a lot of comfort. It's being able to go outside when I don't want to look at my computer. I can just go step outside in my backyard for a little bit. 
Yeah. So nice. I love that. Yeah. What about you? What's, what's bringing you comfort? So I have a very specific thing that's making me happy and I've actually had it for a while. I have it here. Gwen can see it, but it's this candle from target called cozy nights. Oh, it's blue. I like like it. It's like a, yeah, a grayish bluish Mm -hmm, purplish. mm -hmm. It's very good. It smells like I had to Google this or look it up because it didn't say it on the, on the candle jar, but it's, it's caramel or caramel. Um, bergamot and tobacco. Oh, it sounds delightful. It smells so good. I just like smell it. It smells so good. I never thought I would be like that person that would have like a house scent. Mm-hmm. There are all these people that do this, but then I found this candle. Yeah. And now you have a house. And, scent. Yeah. And I have to say, I, I heard about this candle on the forever 35 podcast. One of, I think they were talking about like just fragrances, like perfumes and candles and things. And she brought it up and kind of rant raved about it. Like I just did. And, and I was like, well, now I gotta go smell this candle. Yep. I did. And I finally did. And it's totally great. So now I am, I like, I have like, I have like a big one that stays downstairs. (laughs) I have, I have like small ones in like the rooms where like I go at least where I care about what it smells like, Mm -hmm. Yep. but it's like every, if I turn it on, you know, or turn it on, if I light it, like my parents came over because, you know, they are part of our, our quarantine bubble. And my parents came over one day and they were like, it smells so good in here. And I was like, let me tell you. (laughs) I will tell you why. Yeah. So Target's cozy nights candle. It's really good. And it's not expensive. Like this big thing was like, I think like $12 or something. Oh man, that is a good deal. Yeah. And it's, and it smells, this is going to sound this, I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but it smells expensive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, I think it's the tobacco. I feel like tobacco is kind of one of those, like not secret ingredients, but it's like an ingredient that's in a lot of like high-end candles. Yep. Um, and I think that's what it is, but yeah, I really, if you want like a nice, it really, it does smell cozy. If you want a nice cozy I love it. candle, I highly recommend Target. I, I cannot, I'm going to have to go smell this candle. Cause I, um, I have started lighting a candle in my office mm-hmm. as like part of my routine of yeah. getting like ready, prepared for work or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I received this one from one of my, uh, like, I don't know, some network I'm sure it's Mm -hmm. called go smudge yourself. And it's like a sage blend and it smells so good. I love it. It's like, it's like sage and soap, which is a great calming smell. Yeah. So that's, what's making us happy. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of things, lots of comfort. We need it even in the spring. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that's, this is the end. This is the end. We've come as Nicole Byer would say, we've come to the end. (laughs) (laughs) So you can follow us on social media. We're of course at fresh fiction. I'm at, at DJ (laughs) underscore dresser on both Twitter and Instagram. Gwen, where can everyone find you? And you can find me at real vixen on Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, And I'm also on clubhouse, but I've never used it. So don't try to find me there. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Everyone's been talking about it. I'm like, what is this? I need to Google it. (laughs) I'm like, I'll send you an invite. You can play with it and have the push notifications and be annoyed by it. Just like me. I'm going to turn them off. I turn off all notifications. (laughs) Smart. I love it. You're like, no. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We'll be back soon with another episode. Yep. See you guys soon.